You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast, a Despondent High Hopes podcast. I'm the hopes James are Sonsi. not high. The hopes are low. The hopes are low. Despite the name of the podcast, the hopes at the moment quite low. We'll get into it, but first, let me welcome in my guy, the man who was booed on stage at the Electric Factory, Mr. Jack Friss Fritzy. I was booed on stage, and James, uh, happy Adubal Herrera year for you. It's your birthday today. That? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm an old man. It has coincided with the Phillies' downfall, so I'd like to blame this squarely on your shoulders. <laughs> I think that's fair. On your day, on your day, the Phillies are very much dead. Yeah, and playing well, like they're it was dead. Quite the birthday present last night when they oh, were down eight nothing, game. like immediately. It was. It was quick. It was, <laughs> it was really quick. I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, "How are they losing eight nothing already?" Um, what a frustrating tournament, but uh, Jack. Dude, 15 and 30 in their last 45 games. Uh, look, that, so they are at 500 as we are recording right now before tonight's game against the Aggies. At 500 for the first time since April 10th, Jack Fritz. <sighs> um, all right, let's start at the top. We'll get into all of it, some big questions for the offseason and all that stuff, but I never thought we'd get to the point where even though this team has won 12 more games than last year, the Phillies topic of the moment, the topic du jour, Jack Fritz, is should they fire Gabe Kapler? Is that what we're really talking about right now? Like, it's a thing. It is a thing, Jack. One hundred percent of it. It is a thing. Yeah, it's. Uh, what is going on right now? Listen, with Gabe, <laughs> I think it's just so weird. We went from we went from in this town from zero analytics to all of a sudden the most analytically driven like manager in the entire game like Gabe is more analytically driven than almost any other manager mm-hmm. out there Agree. It's, it's crazy and um and I just don't think people were were ready for it and I think he just rubs people the wrong way with the way he talks the way they don't think he's authentic they think he's a used car salesman he has never really been able to connect with this town and um and it started on opening day uh with the pulling Aaron Nola after 68 pitches and then it coincided with getting booed at the home opener the Philadelphia for the most part, has never really gotten behind Gabe Kapler. And now that they've lost 15 out of 30, uh, it feels like, or 15 of the, yeah, 15, they're 15 and 30 in the last 45 games. 15 out of 45, yeah, losing 30 of 45. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even better, yeah, even better. Um, and now people just feel like we can, they can just dump on the guy, get rid of him, all that stuff. And it's just like, it's just it's just a little bit frustrating that it feels like a lot of people are like happy to see this like go down in flames the way it has. And if it and if it didn't if it wasn't if it didn't go down like this, I don't think that like the reactions would have been perfectly fine. Like if they were if they were 500 in their last 45 games, 
everyone's fine. It's just that everything that everything is starting to pile up now. It's it's the bad defense. It's that the pitching has has regressed. The the offense has continued to be inconsistent. All of it has just fallen apart and collapsed in an epic manner. And finally, people feel like they can be like, "Well, Gabe Kapler just doesn't know what he's doing," or analytics are dumb, and all that's fun stuff. So it's been really fun. <laughs> Fun time to be a Phillies fan. Yeah, it sucks ass is another way to put it. As like you said, look, I think that, and we've all said this a million times, but it's the truth. If, if this team's season had flipped, if they started the season off fifteen and thirty, and then railed off a you know fifteen over five hundred clip to be five hundred right now. Everyone will be ecstatic about this team. Well, it's why people are like, well, bring back Pete McCannon, or Pete McCannon could have done this with this crew. Of course. <laughs> That's what people do. And I agree with you. I think it was a bit of culture shock, too. I think that people just weren't ready for this hard and analytics kind of push immediately. I know. Um, going from like zero to 100 pretty quickly. And also, I-, I do think that, like you said, look, I think there's a lot of people who are who are waiting to be right. I think people said Gabe Kapler's going to suck at this, and they waited for the team to flounder, and now they're like, look, I told you, Gabe Kapler sucks. First and foremost, and I get it. I get it. Look, Gabe Kapler is not a Philly guy, all right? He's not He's not your buddy who you're going to go hang with and have a beer with. That's not who Gabe Kapler is. He's positive. He talks different. He acts different. He looks the world differently. He's just not that type of guy. But that doesn't mean that he's a bad baseball manager, Jack. That doesn't mean that he's a bad at uh, uh, understanding and relating to players, at, at having locker room. Now, I think if you're going to – and look, we've been very pro-Gabe on this podcast this season, but we also have said there are, there are things that you can obviously kill him for. I mean, you know, we blame the players for defense, but the lack of fundamentals, the way – I mean, coaching, that's coaching too. Yeah. I think the biggest issue now, Jack, and where I worry, and again, I still believe in Gabe Kapler, I think, look, and Joe Giglio has made this point a lot and getting killed for it, of course. but this is the exact same we were talking about Doug Peterson at the end of his first season. That Cincinnati game, people wanted him fired. The, the, they quit on this guy. He lost the locker room. It's over. We're hearing all that stuff now, and I think the most frustrating part is that that they're not fighting, that this team is basically kind of just seems like they're going out and playing out the string. And I think that's disappointing. But do, where do you stand with Kapler? Where are you at right now? Well, I think I'm I'm still pro Gabe, and I, I I just I feel like if you're ever if you ever say one positive thing about Gabe, it's like well you just blindly defend him. It's like that's not true at all. Like I, there's things that I see that I don't particularly like, but much like much like how I viewed Carson Wentz, even though he wasn't the perfect quarterback prospect, he was a guy that I viewed as a guy that would would work his tail off and figure out things. And when when I listen to Gabe talk, and when I when I hear about his work ethic and how he just is digging through information, it's just that I don't want to give up on a guy that works as hard as he does because I know how hard he works, and I know that Pete McCannon didn't work hard, and I know he didn't really care about the numbers or trying to get better. And Gabe is legitimately trying to 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 get better and make the correct managerial decision. And I think for the most part, um, he's put guys in positions to succeed. It's just that. It's just that almost every decision he's made has just backfired. But if you actually critically think about the moves that he has made and just step back and took the analytics out of it and just look logically, most of the decisions he's made have made sense. They just have. On paper, they've made sense. When you actually think about it, they, they have. It just feels like they've, they've backfired a lot, and that sucks. Like, the, the shifting stuff. Like, shifting 
It's something that works in baseball. Every team does it. Like Ron Washington, I was reading in the in the Athletic yesterday, uh, and he is one of the oldest school baseball guys you'll find. Yeah. He was like, "I love the shifting. Like it, it sometimes it'll get beat, but for the most part, it works. And it just feels like the shifting has killed the Phillies this year. It's been now, awful. I, now I don't know if that is 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 that a product of them looking at the wrong numbers when they shift? Is it a product of, of shifting too much? Like my one problem with the shifts is, um, like say a guy like Freddie Freeman's up. Totally agree with this. When you see a guy like Freddie Freeman's up, he's too and, good a hitter. And you have a guy on on in, in scoring position, and he sees a whole left side of the field open. Like he's going to take the he's going to score the run there. And I think that may be the next evolution in baseball is since it's weird because isn't base isn't the the boiled down isn't the the product of analytics eliminating runs, but also on the offensive side it's it's supposed to be scoring runs. Right. And scoring runs is not a bad thing no matter what. Uh, analytic things you're looking at, like scoring runs is always good. So there's a running score, a run in scoring position, and there's a chance with the almost the whole left side of the infield open, just punch a ball that way and get yep. the, and get the run home. Maybe that's the the adjustment the league the league makes to kind of counteract the the shifting movement. Um, and I think if you look at the moves that Gabe Kapler has made this year, they've been mostly rooted in logic. I I I, I do believe that, and he works his tail off. And I don't want to just dump on the guy. I feel like that it's been a lot of process over results. With with the arguments against Gabe Kapler, it feels like people are just only looking at the results and not actually thinking about what he's doing. And also, once he gets better players in here, like I just think that it, naturally this team will look much better on paper. I think that's the key. That is that's basically that's what it boils key. down to. And especially you're talking about defense. Look, they have a bunch of bad fielders on this team. A bunch of guys out of position. I mean, they like a Strubel Cabrera should never be allowed to play shortstop in Major League Baseball ever again. He's bad at it. Reese Hoskins is one of the worst left fielders I've ever seen in my life watching baseball. Literally. One of the worst I've ever seen out there. They're a bad defensive team as much. For they, had, they, had, they had Scott Kingery playing shortstop for most. And Scott Kingery is now a fine shortstop. Got good. But but for the first half of the season, he was dreadful out there. J.P. Crawford leads the team in errors. He's played like 60 games. Yeah. It's been. So I think, I think look, again, fundamental type stuff I will get on coaches for. That's their responsibility. You know, you are in charge of the team. You're in charge of teaching, all that stuff. At the same time, like. They're major league baseball players. And that's where I'm going. And that ultimately, you've been playing baseball your whole life. You should know what to do with the ball. You should know where you're supposed to go with it. Right. And, and that's, that's, why the Reese Hoskins, the that's why the Reese Hoskins thing the other day was ridiculous when people were like, well, because he hasn't been playing first base all year. He, he, of course, he shouldn't have known to go, go to second base. The, guy, the guy's played first base for 24 years of his life. Like, if you don't know that by now, you're just a, you're just a bad defensive first baseman. Yeah. It's, out, it's, it's just, it's silly. Reese Ogilvie? So, Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I look, I think like we talked about, and look, they just said it. Ken Rosendahl coming out and saying literally every single player on the team except for Hoskins and Nola is available if people want to make a move for him. I think that shows you what this team is from a um, – look, and, and a lot of these guys will be back. They will be parts of the future, and I think there are useful players here. But when you look at it that way, I understand how angry people are getting at Kapler, but I also think you need to step back and say, all right – this was a 66-win team that was the youngest in baseball until they added some piece of the deadline. The moves at the deadline didn't really work out. You know, look, this fall has been bad. There have been bad things, but at the same time, I think to single out Kapler and just blame Kapler and say, oh, it's this guy's fault, especially when people loved it when they were being good, they didn't give Kapler any credit no, for that. No, So why you can't have one and not the other? Either the manager makes a difference or the manager doesn't make a difference, one way or the other. Right, and and another thing is the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen is pieced together pretty much. I mean, Hunter's been better the second half, but it's not like I really trust that guy in, in a big moment. Neshek gets his like 
people were blaming Kapler the other day for the Nishak thing. It's like Nishak has allowed three runs the entire season, mm-hmm. and he comes in and gets his doors blown in, and then complains to the media about the umpire and the shifting, which is just so. It's, it's, it's never Pat Nishak. It's fault. just classic Pat Nishak. I hate that guy. I. I can't wait for him to be gone. I can't stand him. I, I can't stand I, him. I can't, I can't I do it. I don't care if he's a Philly or not. I just don't like that no, guy. No, he's just, he's he's the embodiment of a bullpen pitcher. He's like a kicker. He's basically like a kicker in football thinking he's an actual football think player. He's an, that's what it is. That's the key part of it. He thinks he's an actual It's, it's annoying. Anyway. Um, I mean, look, just to your point with the bullpen, I mean. They don't have a lefty. Think about it. Yes. <laughs> they can't get it out with a lefty. And then on top of that, think about it this way, that, and, and he wore down all that, but they're Best bullpen pitcher was a guy who was in single A. I know. I mean, come on, man! Like they they were not prepared from a bullpen perspective to have a real you know competitive pen. And did they overachieve to an extent? Yes. Were they getting lucky to an extent? Yes. Um, and I I it's weird because I'm is this season is this season a success? A disappointment, or like where? Like I don't know how to define this Philly season. I, I it's thought, almost a tale of two halves. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. Because there was there was a time where I was saying, "Oh, it's a success, no matter what. Look at how many games they're going to win more than last year." Blah blah blah. And now you're at the point where after this slide, where they're back to seventy eight and seventy eight. You can't somehow, call it a success. You absolutely can't call. It. There's no way you can call it a success. You can't. You can't lose fifty. Uh, 30, 30 of, of your last, last 45. You, you're in real trouble with that. I know. I can't get yeah, it. I, you, <laughs> can't. you can't. It's not a success. There's. I, I, I was wrong to say it was a success. It isn't. But there are things that you can point to that were successful, and there are things that you can look at and say, all right, well, that's a positive. And, and I wouldn't say it was an outright disaster of a season either. No. I just, it, it, you're right. It's really kind of muddled what we view this season to be. Yeah, and if you, like, I think there's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it, what offensive player has really gotten better this year? I don't know if you could say one player got better. Franco, maybe, even though he, you still don't trust him going forward. No. Nick Williams, you don't trust him going forward. But he, those two had, quote-unquote, like, the best seasons of their lives, which sure. is sad. Um, and, <laughs> and almost everyone else kind of regressed. That wasn't great. But if you for the, if you look at the roster on its whole, like there were still a bunch of young guys in that lineup for most of the year. If you look at the starting staff, for some reason, no one factors in the starting staff. When I we're know talking about, it's so true. It's like the, uh, someone tweeted at me last night, like uh, like no one's gotten better on this team. I'm like, well, Zach Eflin's gotten better, yeah. Nick Pavetta's gotten better, Vince Velasquez's gotten better, Aaron freaking Nola got better, Aaron Nola's gotten better. So let's let's relax. Yeah. Like pitching is, believe it or not, part of the game. Um, <laughs> I will be the first first to tell you I that. I would figure. Uh, and if you look at the bolt, like. I just think people have to step back and look at it from a holistic level, and I know that's hard to do when they've lost 30 of their last 45. Nailed it that time. Good work, man. The bullpen's bad. On paper, the bullpen's bad. It's a young staff that, that hit a wall, and it's a young, inconsistent lineup that may have a flaw in its approach. Like I think I think questioning John Maley and the offensive approach is a legit gripe. Agreed. Because Because if you're going to... If you're going to base your whole offense about around uh, 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 your players' ranks or whatever, or uh, finding pitches for your guys to hit, the, guess who else knows that? The pitchers know that. Mm-hmm. So, like, of course they're not going to swing a one if it's a pitch they're not going to the, that they weren't looking for. It's not sure. in their strike zone or not in their strength zone where, where they're going to try to slug, quote unquote. So, I think Maley's a, a question mark. I think Kranz did a good job this year. I think the bullpen's trash, and I think. Just they hit a they 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 hit a walls of team. Their luck ran out, and it's hard to quantify that as a success or a failure when you're looking at a team that was as young as they were. Yeah, it really is. And again, I think some of the things we saw in the first half of the season, and like you said, a tale of two halves, 
were positives. Uh, they were tough and resilient and fought hard. And we saw young guys who we thought were going to, you know, be something. And then as the season has progressed, it certainly soured everyone's opinions on the season and, and on certain players. They need they need help. They need Reese Hoskins needs help. Like I love Reese, but he's been terrible for like a month, a month now. And, a half, yeah, and he goes into these swoons where it's like he's amazing, he's amazing, he's amazing, and then he's bad, 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 and then mm-hmm. he's amazing again. And he needs he needs help in the he can't just be the guy that centers the whole offense around him. I think maybe in a couple years he could be that guy. Uh, but he is he is the the face of the franchise. But he also needs some help. Like he, he like he needs another impact bat that can take some of the pressure off him. A hundred percent agree. Carlos, Carlos Santana. I mean, look, Michael Franco uh, and batting average is not the most important stat or anything like that. But Michael Franco led the team in in hitters who qualified for batting title or whatever with a two seventy average. I mean, yeah, that's bad, man. That's legit bad. I think they have like a two thirty four average as a team. They're just not putting the ball in play enough. They're not making contact enough. Like you said, I think you can really question the approach. And here's my bigger issue. It's not just questioning the approach. It's looking at the approach and not adjusting. Not saying, all right, well, this isn't working. Or this isn't working for Scott Kingery. Or this isn't working for Player X. And not saying, all right, hey, this guy's really good at this. Let's let him do that. Like, I'm fine with having organizational approaches. I'm fine with everyone moving towards the same goal. I think that's a good thing. But you can't do it to the point where you are hindering guys who that approach doesn't work for. Yeah, and it feels like they have they have forced this upon yeah. a lot of their players from an offensive standpoint. Um, I, think, I think for the most part, Gabe has been flexible. He's been trying to find uh, a, a lineup that can work. And for the most part of the season... Uh, before the trade deadline, he did have a consistent lineup. He had a lineup that he would roll out there that he felt pretty good about. And ever since the trade, ever since it went to 40-man, it almost feels like he's been so obsessed with the 40-man. I know. I, I really believe the 40-man is, is kind of hamstrung. It was almost like, oh, my God, look at all these guys I got. Like I know. It, it really feels like he can't help himself. I know. And, uh, he, I mean, it, listen, like, I, I'm, I'm, stuck, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place with this because I almost – I want to see pitchers pitch deeper into games, but I also understand what he's talking about. But like Eflin last night, uh, and it's tough to tell because they, I know they want to limit innings and I know they don't want to overwork these guys. But at the same time, if you're really trying to compete for the NL next year, you're going to have to let these guys learn how to pitch deep in games in September. And I know you have 40 man and all this stuff, but I would have liked to have seen Eflin work out of a jam in the third inning in a game that doesn't mean anything anymore, rather than than going and getting Austin Davis, who I frankly can't wait to never watch yeah. again in my life. Uh, I, Austin Davis is remember been remember bad. those those talks from early in the year. God, I liked him for a little bit. Didn't work out. He just doesn't have stuff. Like nah, he can throw strikes, but yeah. Um, and another thing that I got a problem with Gabe with is like the fifth. I I, I love fit, but uh, not for relievers. It's it's way too small a sample mm-hmm. size. It, it never really correlates well for relievers. Starters, they pitch enough, they get enough innings, all that stuff. Where FIP kind of evens out. But it doesn't really work for relievers. Mm-hmm. And he's on the, the manager show the other day talking about how like Austin Davis is the lowest FIP amongst like Phillies relievers. <laughs> and I'm like, Gabe, like this isn't it, man. Like, <laughs> the, you got to use some kind of... I think he may... For, for a period there in the middle of summer, I thought he was starting to use more of his gut. And I really believe that the 40-man roster kind of messed him up and it made him go strictly matchup-based. I think so, too. And it made him take all the gut out of it and only use the, the numbers. And I know this sounds like old school, 
but you just can't manage that way. You can't manage that way. You absolutely can't. You have to man. You have to have a feel for your guys. You have to know who's got it right now, who doesn't. You know all that type of stuff. Who's hot? Who's not? Like there are so many different things. Who's seeing the ball well? All that stuff. And also, what's been under uh, reported is all the injuries. Like Franco's been hurt. Williams has been hurt. I think Cesar has been hurt. Like mm-hmm. he just doesn't look the same. Uh, JP Crawford's been hurt. Um, I mean, Carlos Santana's had to play third base a lot, which I. I'm interested in, mm-hmm. but he's only doing that because Franco has been hurt. Roman Quinn was hurt. Altair was hurt. Like, it's just like there's a bunch of injuries. Wilson Ramos can't play every day because of his hamstrings. There's a good amount of injuries mm-hmm. to go along with it as well. There's there's things to explain this downfall besides it's just the manager doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. And that's I, what gets me so frustrated. It's like, it's like guys, there, it's not just the freaking manager. Of course it's not. He can not. only do so much. Exactly. All right. Uh, one more thing on Kapler, and then we'll look at some other stuff. But do you think that... We don't care. I I know I've said, and you've said, we personally don't care what Kapler says to the media. I literally could care less. It means nothing to me. But it has caused a lot of problems for him. It just has. In this town, in the media, all that type of stuff, people are getting annoyed with the way Kapler says things, with the way he, what he says, really, to the media and in these situations, talking about his team. We know he's never going to be a throw players under the bus type of guy. That's just not what he is. But do you see Kapler potentially changing his approach in these types of things and in, in how he addresses the media and how he dresses the players and how he talks about how the team is doing or Gabe is Gabe? I think he's, he was adjusting a little bit um, and it was seeming like he was starting to, to get it a little bit and then now he's just doubled down on everything. Like I think there's a point to where you can try to teach analytics to people and try to make it not so hard and fast approach. Mm-hmm. Like, no one's going to believe analytics are are a good thing if you're talking about Austin Davis's FIP yeah, as in like true. as in like he's a good pitcher yeah. because he's not a good pitcher. Like, I think if you want to use, if you want to use numbers to support like what, I, he, has to, he has to do a better job of using his eyes to back up what the analytics are saying as well. Like, coming out and saying Nick Pavetta has a better ex-FIP than Aaron Nola. Like, no one's gonna believe like I no, like yeah. I like that, but, but but like the the, the average you're the biggest Nick Pavetta yeah. man out there and yeah. you know Aaron Nola is significantly better right, than right, you know, right. Yeah. Right. So like no but no one's gonna buy in if you're just saying stuff like that because the numbers say that and totally. everyone's just gonna go to their friends and be like, Do you see what Gabe said? Like you talk about this FIP thing and it's <laughs> it's all BS. Like he has to do a better job of trying to make numbers more human in a way. Yeah. And he's just he just has never resonated with people. He has felt like a, a robot to a lot of guys. Yeah, and I, look, he I think he has to be a little more real in certain situations. Again, I don't need him to go out and say, you know, oh, Dubble played like crap. He stinks. I don't need any of that like crap. Holding, like, what does holding players accountable mean? It doesn't mean do anything in the media? I'm with you. It does nothing for me. It, I, I think that 99 times out of 100, there are only bad consequences, bad stuff that comes from ripping your players in the public. And he is, and he has said that we need to play better. Yes, but he needs to do more of that. And he needs to do it in a way where he doesn't have to rip his players, but he take it on himself, whatever. He has to do a better job of at least... Like, you can't come out after... You know, you're you get eliminated from the playoffs and talk about how, oh, you know, we're we're still fighting, we're playing. Your team's played like like shit for a while. Like you just you at a certain point, and again, it not for me. I don't I don't care. But because like you're the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies and you need a fan base to at some point have your back and buy into you. And if this approach continues, 
people will never buy into him no matter what happens. Even if they're winning, people are going to hate it. At a certain point, he's got to be real with more people. He has to. Or else he's going to get canned. Or else he's going to get canned. It's, I think, it's I think the it's, same thing with Hinky. It's the exact same it's exactly, thing. Exactly. You're right. It's the same thing as Hinky. Now, Hinky didn't talk at all. And he, and, but every time he did, I felt way better about what he was he doing. Was, he was great at it, too. He was really I good mean, at it. I mean, he was really good at talking to the media. Whenever he would talk to me, he was great. I was like, why don't they, why doesn't he talk more? I mean, I he's know. awesome. He died for great now. I know. And eventually, him not talking enough, it got enough writers against him to where it buried him. And now it just feels like there's so much overwhelming pressure from the media in this town to all that. It's like almost we need a Gabe Kapler like expose. Yeah, you need someone has to have his back. Like he needs Well, the he, High Hopes podcast. Well, Gabe, of course. Gabe, we got We're telling you right now, if you come on the High Hopes podcast, we will make the city love you. We're trying, Gabe. We're trying. You got to help <laughs> us out a little bit, man. Help us out. We're fans. We got your back. We Gabe. were the first ones. We were the We wanted you here before you were here, bro. Uh, I know. Like Jack and I go back and check the archives. Who should the Phillies manager be? We want Gabe Kapler. Who's Gabe Kapler? The guy we want. All right? That's what we said. We wanted Gabe Kapler before you even got here. Um, but Just be more human. Yeah. And it, yeah, that's what it is. It's like loosen up a little bit. And I know it might not be your style or whatever, but just like loosen up a little bit, Gabe. Do you have any problems with the players starting to talk like him, though? Like Reese Hoskins has come out and said, like even when everything was going downhill, Reese would be like, oh, we'll get him tomorrow. And like and like Tommy Hunter will be like, and his stupid like frat bro, like, Nah, dude, we'll be fine. But the, the only one that, like, there was no, that was my one problem with the whole downfall is that there was no guy getting, like, pissed. Yeah. And there was no guy that was like, listen, we just got, we got to step it up. Like, we got to be better well, than this. Like, Arietta tried to, but when he sucks, it's it like, sucks, it's hard man. to. Well, I think it's a great point. That's the problem, right? I mean, who other than, Noel is not that guy. Like, he's not. And I think Aaron Ho- is as chill as they come. And he, you know, he might even know what the team's record is. Like, he's <laughs> just like, hey, guys, you know, like, and Hoskins should be that guy. It should be Hoskins. Hoskins, it should Hoskins, be Hoskins. The, for as much as you can say Gabe has to be the leader of, of men, whatever. It, in the end, in a clubhouse, it comes down to the players stepping up and saying to each other, like, listen, it's go time. We mm-hmm. got to start. We got to nut up or shut up. Yep. And I think the players have done a bad job of, of holding each other accountable from a teammate standpoint, not picking each other up, not... You know, you don't have to yell at each other in the dugout, but just be like, let's go. Like, let's, let's fight. Like, I just didn't see any of that from the whispers I've heard. None of that. The, 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 the clubhouse has been dead. There's just been almost no emotion, which like is not good. And I know like Hoskins is another laid back yeah. Sacramento guy who I think people look up to as a team leader, but I don't see him ever being the guy. I think he can be. I think he can be the guy that people look to and he can be like, let's go. Like, like Howard was when he went to Colorado yeah. and said, get out, like, get me to the plate, boys. I got it. I think I think Hoskins can develop into that guy, but the Phillies need that guy. Bryce Harper. It maybe. They need Bryce Harper. Bryce well, Harper's that guy. All right, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. So uh Howard comes on the morning show today and says that Oh yeah, I wanted to yeah, good point. I want to bring this up. Um he says something to the the effect of Kapler being here may push away free agents and make them not want to sign here. And my counter to that is if you're a free agent, you see the manager getting fired after one year with a team that like you're, obviously, Bryce Harper's not paying attention to what the Phillies are doing. Right. But he looks at the record; they're like 16 games better than last year, and they fire the manager. To me, that looks like a sign of instability. And why am I going to sign up for the next 10 years of my life to a to a team that has looks instability? Looks I like agree 100 percent with you. I think it's a great point. And to take it a step further, in all honesty, Bryce Harper is signing with whoever gives him the most money. Period. I'm sorry, it's and, true. And also. 
Gabe Kapler and Bryce Harper will be best friends and run the Rocky Steps together. Yeah, I, I look, and again, I think that we also we've made it so that in our belief, this this media, Philadelphia fans, all this stuff that because we don't like it, and, and obviously not you and me, but the the royal we, and not the high hopes listeners, absolutely not. But because quote unquote we don't like Gabe Kapler, then the players in the locker room don't like him too. We don't know that. We don't know that those guys in the locker room don't like him. We don't know that they don't fucking love him and think he's awesome, right? I mean, we don't know that. And yes, they haven't played well. And and to your to your point about needing a leader in the locker room, I do blame Gabe a little bit for that because I think that you need to get if, – if you don't have a leader in that locker room, then guess who's in there getting them fired up? Guess who's in there making it exciting, making people, you know, jacked up to play? That's your job then. If that's not what you need – like that's – if there's no one there to do it, you got to do it. I agree he needs help from the locker room, but – I, I think that Gabe does deserve some blame for that. But but I think he's tried. Well, and regardless, the point is is that just because people out here don't like Gabe's act doesn't mean that in that locker room, again, there's a guy who played in the major leagues for over a decade, certainly knows locker rooms, knows players, understands players. It doesn't mean they don't like him. No, it doesn't. But also, there really hasn't been one guy being like, Gabe's our guy. You know, even when Doug was going down and it felt i mean i remember Ert stepping up and being like listen we love playing for Doug we love Doug mm-hmm. and we've always gotten Doug's back we even heard that like we i mean ever since i mean opening day the opening day stuff and the first weekend stuff or whatever the first marlin series marlin series where nick williams came out and said i guess the computers uh said i shouldn't play today it really has it hasn't it's been fine there hasn't been outbursts from the dugout but we also haven't seen players come out and be like listen i really like playing for Gabe like the in these last two months no, and maybe yeah. it's more of an off-season thing. Like right now, it doesn't really make much sense. But there is just a lot of uh, outside heat coming from the media, from ever, from the fans. And it would be nice if a player was like, "Listen, we like playing for Gabe." He's yeah, I guy. agree He's with you. Guy. I agree with you. And Hoskins has said stuff like that in the past. But yeah, I think that's a very fair point. I look again. It would take um, it would take a. I don't think that they're offering that stuff up. It would take a reporter saying, "What do you think of Gabe Kapler right now?" Yeah. Blah blah blah. So. That's on the reporters to actually bring it to the players' attention, and who knows? I, again, to your point about Bryce Harper, I don't think the players are looking around being like, "Wow, everybody hates Gabe, huh?" Like, I think they're just going about their business and doing their job. I think for the most part, they like Gabe. I think so too, but it, you could be like, "Who knows? We don't know. We're not inside that locker room." All I'm saying is that is that that we don't know that they might love him, they might hate him. We don't know, but to assume that they all hate him just because people around here hate him, yeah, that's not I, fair. Is a bad assumption. Yeah, and that's I think not it's unfair. Fair. So, but look, I think let's put it this way: if if there are drastic things on, and and I I know like there are a lot of prominent media people, guys like Howard Askin, guys like Al Morgani, like a lot of people who think that Gabe will be fired, who think that Gabe will not be back like next year. So I'm not saying that they're wrong or they don't know what they're talking about, but personally, I would be shocked if Kapler is not back next season. I would be floored by it. So would I because of. The like Klintak stuck his neck out for Gabe. Yeah, absolutely. And they they An unconventional and, hire. And Klintak came out and said last week, "Listen, when I was hired, when I was brought in here, I was brought in to try something different. Gabe Kapler is something different. Yeah, I don't think they're going to give up on that after one year. And also, if I was Gabe and I got fired, or I might be get fired, I'd be like, listen, man, you're the one that brought me Carlos Santana and put Hoskins in left field. Like, yeah, this has been a it's been a Klintak and Kapler production. Like, it's I not, agree with you. It's not one or the other. It's been together. So if you're gonna, like, but also, I think I I think Klentak's good at his job, and I if I had to pick one going forward, I'm keeping Klentak instead of Kapler. Um, so I would just be floored if they if if Middleton stepped in and was like, "Listen, you're both out of here. Just Kapler's out of here, or Klentak's." I, I like look, Klentak's not going anywhere. 
I don't think there's any way that this offseason, heading into your biggest offseason in your franchise's history, potentially, especially like, you're they, firing wouldn't, your GM. they wouldn't let him fire well, the all plan, of them. And especially because the plan, they knew what the plan was. The plan was not to contend this year; it was to contend next year. I know, and people people have forgotten that. Yeah, everybody has. Everybody acts like this is like this is the year. If we don't win it this year, it's all over. I'm not a Phillies fan anymore. It's like they were never supposed to win this year. This is a 66-win team that didn't do that much to make the team better in terms of players. It's just, oh, they're getting a year older. They'll be good. It's because Aaron Nola took a huge leap. Pavetta was better. Velasquez was better. Eflin was better. All these guys were better like you talked about. And ultimately, with the innings they were at and the position players just not being that good in certain spots, it all kind of came back to bite them. And as a result, the, the I think the the snowball of it all is what has led to this situation now. But... I, I think that people really forget that if you had said at the beginning of the season the Phillies are going to win 81 games or 80 games or 82 games, people have been like, yeah, that sounds like a nice year. That's a nice stepping stone type year for this team that just won 66 games. I, right? I mean, is that a crazy thing to say? It's not crazy. And, and like, but people would throw back in your face, well, they brought in Arietta and Santana. It's like, well... They were always like Arietta. That if you viewed Arietta as 2015 Arietta, that's on you. That's your fault, man. You <laughs> weren't watching that guy pitch then. And listen, I, I I know like we were excited about Arietta, me and you, and we were, but we also knew the the risk we that came with it. it. We liked it because of the timing of it, the contract only being three years. Like, why not? You have the money to spend. It wasn't like we were like, oh, we've got Cy Young. We've coming got our in. ace. Yeah, yeah, and I. I'm not looking forward to having to pay him $25 million. Oh, God, the next I just want him gone. I, he's like, I dislike him so much. He's just such a frustrating watch. He's a, he's a tough watch, man. He's a really tough watch. And he just seems like a, you know what? I, I'm just not a big fan of the guy right now. Yeah, and I think some of the young pitchers have learned some things from him that yeah, have probably been good. Yeah, and we talked good. about that. It's been important, I think. It, it's probably been good, but uh, ripping Scott Kingery in the media was, was, was never a, a good idea. It was such a bad look, man. It was such a bad... You're going to single out one player on the team and you're going to make it the rookies playing a position he's never played before? Like, really? No, like, I know. It just seemed like a... But, yeah, but it's it's also the it's also the classic pitcher thing, so I like I understood where he's coming from to where, like, the shifts... If a ball, listen, if you're a pitcher and a ball goes through in the in the, in the, sure. in the, in the 5-6 hole where there's a shortstop that's usually there... Like a pitcher's, oh, a pitcher's going to to blow a gasket. It's infuriating. I could see it on Nishak's face, honestly. The other night when a, when a ball went through, I could just I had my little my, my little pitcher sense being like mm-hmm. he's gonna rip the shifts after the game because that should have been a double play ball or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it's just that was that was frustrating. And Arietta, like, he just cannot throw a freaking strike, and he has no idea where the ball is going. He's throwing sliders that are supposed to be in the outside corner. <laughs> On the back foot of a left-hander, it's crazy. Now the other guy that was a big move, Carlos Santana. I got into it this weekend. It wasn't really gotten into it, but I just don't think Carlos Santana was a mistake signing. Like Carlos Santana, at the end of this year, is putting up some of the best numbers of his career. It's just the fact that he was billed as being this middle of the lineup guy, where he's just he's just not. That's he's, not who he is. He's a, the people. The main problem with Carlos Santana is that people viewed him as being like our Ryan Howard middle of the lineup. Guy's gonna drive in a hundred, and like, it's just not him. It's not him. He's he's a he's a, a very good offensive player. I'm not gonna say he's a very good hitter because he's batting two thirty. He's a overall a very good offensive hitter or offensive player, and he's can be a key cog to a championship level team like he was for those Indian teams. Yep. And like, do people forget that he started in left field for Game One of the World Series? Like he can play. Of course they do. Like, Nobody remembers that. Oh, Terry Francona reinventing the game. To, yeah, I, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, reinventing the game, James. What Gabe Kapler's doing? 
that's a like it frustrates me so much that we can watch what Terry Francona did in the playoffs there and do something no one's ever thought to do before. Totally the reason they almost win the World Series. And be like, I don't, you know, I don't like new stuff. Why, why would you try something yeah. different? And your point before you said it, Clintac literally said, I was brought in here to do things differently. I'm not going to stop. Like, I'm not going to not do things differently. That's the whole point of why I'm here. And again, you know I'm a market inefficiency guy. Like, good. Find market inefficiencies. That's what baseball is. That's why teams like the Athletics have had success over the last two decades. Because Billy Bean has went around and found ways to... Find market inefficiencies and compete with a, a, le- yeah, but, a much lower payroll. But who has Clintock found? Well, that's the problem. I mean, we, you want to get there, right? Right. I mean, you could say that all that stuff. It's just that, you know, do it, buddy. Oh, and Clintock hasn't. I mean, look, I like Matt Clintock too. I believe in the guy, but like, he's not fallible, nor has he proven it yet. I just believe that he will. But I mean, yeah, up till this point, I think you, you know, you can't feel great about what Clintock's done. I mean, now had- he has gotten unlucky, though, with, with Charlie Morton. He, Charlie Morton yeah, goes he was to the a Astros. Ahead of the curve on a couple and guys. Clay Buckholtz. Mm-hmm. Clay Buckholtz, who I was hated. great in Arizona. I hated Clay Buckholtz. Yeah, but he might win an All Comeback Player of the Year. Yeah, he had like a two ERA. He's been great in Arizona. So he did get unlucky in some circumstances. Um, but listen, we can talk about we can talk about finding the next wave of baseball. Like maybe the Phillies are onto that. I mean, we just haven't seen it. Like we haven't seen any evidence of that. Yeah, he hasn't found a under-the-radar guy that turns into a stud like the Dodgers did with Chris Taylor, with Max Muncy, Justin Turner. Like, that is market inefficiencies. That is finding something that no one else is seeing. The Phillies haven't done that. Agreed. They also haven't, but I, I want to preface, they also haven't had the chance to do that because, and this is another problem with all the Clintac hate that I see, is that, you know, when he took over the Phillies, they they didn't have pieces they could trade away for legitimate talent. Like everyone had no value when he got here. Yeah. There was not one player on the roster that could get could get you back a legit prospect 100%. to jumpstart this thing. So he, he was starting from scratch. And also, uh, he has to evaluate if these young players are can be pieces of a future championship team. So you're not going to suppress them by bringing in big name free agents or trading for guys who may turn out to be good or may not. And then you're giving away young talent. So he's been kind of handicapped in that scenario. This, the guys who he's tried on have been the pitchers. And he's been tra- he tried with Charlie Morton. Unfortunately, he got hurt. He tried to play Buckholz. Unfortunately, he got hurt. They've gone elsewhere and had success. So, like, I think he may be looking for the right things there. I just think it, at some point you gotta you gotta find what you're talking about. Yeah, and I uh, look and I again I think the whole point was to give him that opportunity to build what he was going to build, what he was planning to build, and. I think this offseason is if is everything. Yeah, and if, I think this is it. Like this is your chance. Like Matt Clentax's career in Philadelphia will be made or broken this offseason. And if in you my look, mind. if you look at the Phillies as a whole, I think the organization is in a really healthy spot. I think they're in a, a, a very healthy spot. Now they may not have the stars. They may not have the stars in the system that are going to turn into something big. But I think they have a bunch of good players that they can trade for those kind of exactly. guys. Exactly. That's the thing. Everyone talks about that you need the blue chip prospects. Like, no, you just need good prospects that you can turn into a blue chip player. It's true. Right. Should we do it? Is it time to talk yeah. about? Oh, please. I'm, I've been waiting for it. I thought you'd bust it out already. Okay. Jack's got a take. Well, it's not a it's take not a as take. much as a a a fact so, about Mike Trout. So, Joe Gillio and I. That is very interesting. Joe Gillio and I are, are sitting here the other night, mm-hmm. and he comes in. And he's like, did you know that Mike Trout has a no-trade clause? And I was like, really? He has a no-trade clause? And we both looked at each other, and we were like, he could Stanton. He could Stanton. 
the the Angels. I'm going to the Phillies. That's it. It's Nowhere n- else. And, and I, trade me home. And I texted James and I said, "Did you know that Mike Trout has no trade clause?" And he's like, "Oh, that sucks." And I'm like, "James, that is the greatest thing." Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't really paying attention to your. I was actually what. It was a weird situation where I was watching your commission video for our <laughs> WIP fantasy league, and then I was like reading your text, so I was ignoring one Jack for the yeah. other and just being, "Oh, whatever." So that was my bad. Anyway, so Mike Trout has a no trade clause, which means that he could say, "Hey." I want to come home to Philadelphia, and I, I that's the only place I'll accept a trade That's to. it. Just you get what you can get, because I'm going to Philly. Right. And and then the Angels come, or the Phillies can come to the Angels and be like, listen, we'll give you this, this, and this, and go find a better deal that he'll accept. And if they won't be able to, first off, they won't be able to do that, because he can only accept a trade back to Philadelphia mm-hmm. or wherever. Um, so they're going to be able to get Mike Trout. Now, I, I hope everyone is sitting down, because they're going to be able to get, get Mike Trout back giving up Aaron Nola, Sixto Sanchez. Without giving up. Without giving yeah. up these guys. Reese Hoskins, um, Alec Bohm, off the limits. Adam Hazley, off limits. <laughs> They're going to be able to get Mike Trout without giving up those five guys. Adubel, Cesar, one of Eflin, Pavetta, or Velasquez. Actually, Pavetta's off limits, too. Get, get, <laughs> get, 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 get out of here, Mike. Get out of here, Mike. Just kidding. Pavetta would not be off limits. Franco. No, it's not even that. Like, Cesar, Adubel. Uh, I think Franco's got more value. Whatever. Doesn't matter. I'm just throwing names out there. Whatever. Yeah. That's fine. I think the Phillies can give them a a a fine deal. But like Mike Trout's not gonna get traded for Aaron Nola, Six of Chances, Reese Hoskins, and like Alec Bowman. God, I hope you're right. It's just not gonna happen. Oh. It's not gonna happen. He has a no trade clause. They're just get Mike Trout. If as soon as he turns out that extension, which he he better turn out He's that extension. Turn he has a no trade clause. He, he can force a trade. He, he can force a trade. He can do he just wants. what Stanton did, just what Ken Griffey Jr. did. Mm-hmm. This is almost to the go same, home to Cincinnati. It's almost the same exact thing, is what the the Griffey thing. They got back Brett Tomko, Mike Cameron, and like just trash. Not for, great for Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Like, I have a, I, I just have a good feeling about it. I like it too. I feel, look, it's uh, I and don't you? This is Joe brought this up as well. Wasn't that Rosenthal report kind of like a message to the Angels, being like, listen. All these guys are available except for yeah. Nola. But that was the first thought I read it when I I I first thing I thought was like, oh, you mean it? You should have been should have finished this. It should have said everyone on the Phillies except Hoskins and Nola is available for a Mike Trout trade. Was what how I read it in my head. I'm right. like, it's yes, yes. There's no other reason you put that out there. You don't want to make guys on the team feel like they're expendable. Like, you don't want to get that out there. There is no upside to the Phillies' as a team. We want Look, if they want teams to know that players are available, guess what they could do? Dial the phone up. Hey, uh, you know, Billy Epperly. Guess what? Everyone's available. Like, hey, they could do it that way. That got out. And I think it got out for a reason I agree with you. I think that was a very blatant, hey, check it out, guys. Yeah. And I think... Whatever this, you want. Now, I know I've been critical of Middleton. Just because of the, I think he forced the Arietta signing, mm-hmm. and I think that was a, a him, a him move. But I think he was going to slam it down on the table and say, "Go get me Mike Trout." I think so too. I think he's going to do that, and I think he's going to pony up for Harper or Machado, or maybe all three, or both. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> oh my god, all, all the Phillies hate would go away pretty quickly if they have Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Manny. Yeah, but Machado. Yeah, but you know what would happen is like people are like, oh well, he's probably going to pitch Machado. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I can't even. I hate this. I people. can't even. I can't even. All right, Fritzy, uh, this has been therapeutic. Yeah, I feel like we needed to have this conversation. We did. Um, and I know people probably say it's like 
negative or whatever, but how can you be positive? Yeah, I mean, come on. We have to be real, all right? Uh, you can't... Look, we're not Gabe Kapler. We can't find a way to be positive in every situation no. and everything. No, yeah, and you try. don't have to uh, produce these games like I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still have to stay up and watch them, though, so I feel you. 30 of their last 45, oh, and your boy... Last night, last night was the worst. Last night... I wasn't even mad. Turned it off. It, it was like... No. It was like, no. No. That's what I felt. I was like, no. And I knew. I was like, they're going to play a Rockies team that's fighting for their playoff life at home. They still have reason to play. I know this is going to be ugly. And it was like, all right, I'm done. Yep. It was fun. A lot right. of fun. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we will continue to um, all off season. We're going to be here. We're going to be talking Phillies when Mike Trout trade happens. Uh, we'll be just there like, for the emergency pod. When Bryce Harper signs, we'll be there for the I'll emergency pod. I'll drive 90 miles an hour to get here for that podcast. Fucking amazing. All right, Fritzy, final thoughts. Uh, listen. I know you talk about how much I love the reviews, but we got some reviews last week that literally made me smile. And I, I, kept, I kept looking at you them. You texted me about them. They made me happy. I got so, so happy. You they have no idea. They're great. They I don't even look at them, but I find out about them because Fritz gets so excited. He yeah. sends me them. So, so. Uh, keep getting the reviews in. Uh, help us grow this thing. And uh, listen, we love doing it. We'll be back all the time. I can't. I honestly, I cannot wait for the first emergency podcast me too let's let's roll come on phillies i know let's get go. into the off season yes and it's off play. season time I'm i can't enough. take the takes enough <laughs> i'm so done with this season get to right. eagle season fire <laughs> doug peterson something anything else all right rate and review again do it for fritz uh we'll be back hopefully mercifully when this season is over <laughs> and we will continue to uh look ahead and uh emergency pods and all that so for fritz i'm Salter. we'll talk to you guys later